0: wearing my fake David Yerman green necklace really affect how the Dallas Stars are going to play in their next upcoming game? Has fate already decided when my family is going to up and move across state lines when it comes to population? And how does the IRS really know if we're cheating on our taxes? All this and more coming up on today's episode. My name is Lauren Ruper, and I have been option trading for almost a decade. I am really glad you're here because this podcast was designed for you. I break down all the things stock trading into bite-sized chunks so you can feel empowered and confident to take on the stock market and better your life. So grab a dirty Dr. Pepper, kick up your heels, and listen along to today's show here at Trade Blonde. I'm not sure when exactly my husband and I figured this out, but we quickly realized that whenever we play Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, After the kids have taken their bath, they will punch dance out their little hearts, the last of their energy, and it helps them go to bed so much smoother. I also quickly realized that whenever I wear a particular green gem necklace that totally matches the Dallas Stars logo and color, a necklace I always get many compliments on, Tried and true, whenever I wear it, the Dallas Stars seem to lose the game that they're playing. So now, unfortunately, I can't wear this really pretty necklace on any game day. Our brain works hard to process all the information it's bombarded with each and every day. Constantly, we are taking in data from the world around us while our brain chunks these experiences together to try to determine if any patterns exist. If patterns can be found that render fairly predictable results, then maybe, just maybe, we can better plan for the future. The ability to detect patterns around us can be both a strength and a weakness. And honestly, I feel like in life, we see what we want to see, even at a subliminal level sometimes. Like when you're shopping for a new car and suddenly you see that car everywhere on the road. Or when you start thinking about having a baby, and now it seems like everywhere you go, out and about, someone has a baby. These patterns we seem to find in life can also make us do crazy things, like noticing we perform better when we wear dirty socks, so we never wash our socks when we play soccer, or throwing salt over our shoulder when we spill it. In fact, there's hundreds of superstitions because someone at some point made the random connection between two events happening. Here are a few more superstitions and their origins that I found on the internet, because I fell down a rabbit hole with this topic. The tradition of knocking on wood actually stems from a Celtic belief that stated that spirits, both good and bad, reside in trees, and you could call upon their magical powers by knocking on their homes. The superstition of not wanting to walk under a ladder actually comes from Christian symbolism, the Holy Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This led to the association of the number three with being something sacred, And the triangle, with its three sides, has come to be regarded as a sacred symbol as well. And a ladder, of course, forms a triangle. So naturally, to walk under the ladder would be to destroy the sanctity of the Trinity and thus incur punishment. Who knew? And here's one more. The superstition of not wanting to step on a crack because you'll break your mother's back is a foretelling or even the cause of harm to a family member. People have long associated cracks as portals to the supernatural for both good and bad. So to step on one of these cracks might actually be to invite or release an unwelcome spirit into the world. And these superstitions have stood the test of time. Ask your kids if they've heard of these, and then ask your grandparents if they've heard of these, and I'm sure everybody will say yes we believe and act upon these bizarre things because at one point or another in the past, someone noticed a pattern that associated this behavior to a particular outcome. But was there, and is there really a pattern forming? Or are these events just random? Or could it be that the randomness itself is actually the pattern? I'm reading this awesome book called The Drunkard's Walk, and the author writes, Among all the patterns of nature, how do we distinguish between the meaningful ones? Drawing the distinction is an inherently practical enterprise. The theory of randomness sprung not from the minds of philosophers, but from the minds of those focused on spells and gambling end quote. The theory of randomness, believe it or not, is very real. Things that we believe are happening at random really are not so random at all. My dear friend earlier this year told us that she felt like her family needed to move. I was shocked, as was the rest of our friend group. It felt very random indeed. She'd been living in Texas her entire life. She had a family here, and then they had renovated their home just the way they wanted it. They had kids involved in sports teams and extracurriculars, but her husband was randomly offered a great job with a different company, which required them to move to a random place she had never expected to uproot her family to. But was it really that random? Was it in fact expected that Bentonville, Arkansas's population would now increase by five and our town of Texas would decrease by five? And where exactly am I going with this analogy? Well, let me tell you. Let's rewind a few years ago. Growing up, we moved as a family a lot. I've lived in California, Wisconsin, Utah, Canada, Connecticut, Chicago, and now obviously Texas. Each and every move seemed to be earth-rocking to me, but the harsh reality, and a reality I've come to more and more terms with the older I get, is that we are all just tally marks when it comes to counting population. And not only that, all of our moves, not just our physical uprooting family moves, but even our day-to-day moves of places we physically go, things we buy, websites we look at, food we chew, all may appear like we're choosing our own adventure, but in reality, All our random actions are part of a predictable pattern, all of them. Let that sink in. And moving from one state to another is just another pattern that's actually already been accounted for. Bedford's law, absolutely fascinating, is going to blow your mind. Bedford's law is about numbers, and more specifically, the leading digit of numbers. Now, what I mean by this is if you have the number 1616, the leading digit is one. And if you have the number 8,972, 8,972, the leading digit is 8. Now, Bedford's law states that with any random grouping of numbers, one may assume that all possible leading digits, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9, would evenly be distributed. But in fact, that is not the case. Around 30% of a random grouping of numbers will have the leading digit of 1 around 18% will have a leading digit of two. The leading digit of three will appear around 12.5%. With each leading digit getting smaller, the closer you get to nine, which only has a 4.6% chance of appearing compared to the leading digit of one, which was 30. Now what's crazy about this is it applies to pretty much any random grouping of numbers, including populations. Now I know, I was an unbeliever myself, but when I learned of my friend's random move across state lines, I had to test the theory myself. So, being the total math nerd that I am, I pulled up the populations of all 500 cities in Arkansas. I charted them down how many populations started with the leading digit of 1 and wrote it down, then 2, then 3, and all the way down to the leading digit of 9. Then I calculated the percentage of times each leading digit appeared out of 500, and of course, I had to graph it. And would you believe it? The leading digit of one appeared 28% of the time of the total population in Arkansas. Number two was 19%. Three was 12%. The leading digit of four was 11%. Five was 8%. Six was 5%. Seven was 7%. The leading digit of eight was 5%. And the number nine, the leading digit of number nine, was 4%. To say I was totally shocked that the numbers panned out almost exactly how Bedford's law stated they would would be an understatement. I could not believe it. What's crazy is you don't even need to be looking at a group of numbers that all really relate to each other. You could go into your refrigerator right now and pull out any food with a nutritional guide on it, count up all the numbers that appear on the back, and honestly, the number one will show up about 30% of the time as the leading digit. Something so wild and just a group of numbers feels so random, but actually they're following a bigger pattern when you zoom out and look at it through a different lens. So was my friend's random move to a random state really that random? No, it was pretty much fate. Now, why do I share this? And what does this have to do with the stock market? Well, for one, the IRS actually uses Bedford's law to catch people cheating on their taxes. So if you are trying to be a sneaky sneak on your taxes, make sure that you throw in one as your leading digit about 30% of time on those fake numbers you're putting in. But more importantly, I use this example of Bedford's law to demonstrate that randomness can actually be predictable. Price action and price movement feels random to new traders, but it's also random to experienced traders. It's nearly impossible to read charts, and I cannot stress this enough. It doesn't matter if you are 100% in your conviction on a chart pattern. You are either going to be right or you're going to be wrong. It's a 50-50 chance. One of my fellow TikTok traders posted a video this morning asking people's opinions on what separates a successful trader from ones that give up. And after thinking about it for a moment, I realized that what makes a successful trader successful is one who trades small and trades often. Placing one trade with a 70% pop which stands for probability of profit, the end result of the trade being profitable is actually pretty random. It's still just a 50-50 chance. Placing two trades with the 70% pop, also random if it will be profitable overall. But placing 100 trades or even 1,000 trades, the random occurrence of your trade being profitable has neutralized out and will follow more closely your 70% pop. So my whole point here, is that by trading often and keeping your trade small, you can actually neutralize the randomness of profit and turn it into success. 2022 has been a random year for price action, I will give you that, totally unpredictable. And for new traders just entering the game, it probably feels like you're throwing money into a furnace. But for traders that have been trading the last 10 years, this year of trading is just neutralizing out past year's gains a little bit. So don't be discouraged. You need to take a step back and realize that even your choice of staying in the game or jumping out, a choice that feels totally random and only personal to you, has actually already been accounted for. But are you going to let that stop you? I don't think so. And with that, I'll see you guys later. You've been listening to the Trade Blondie Podcast. I want to thank you and invite you to subscribe to my show. Until next time, keep trading and remember to trade small, trade often. Goodbye.